Our New Testament reading today is coming from the book of Ephesians, second chapter, verses 1 through 10. I invite you to follow along in your own Bible or the Pew Bible, or listen to the word as it is read. So Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. You were dead through the trespasses and sins in which you once lived, following the course of this world, following the ruler of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work among those who are disobedient. All of us once lived among them in the passions of our flesh, following the desires of flesh and senses, and we were by nature children of wrath like everyone else. But God, who is rich in mercy, out of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead through our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, and raised us up with him, and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus." So that in the ages to come, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of your own doing. It is a gift of God, not the results of works, so that no one may boast. For we are what he has made us, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand to be our way of life. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I'm currently taking a class through a program called Course of Study out at Candler, and I'm in an evangelism class right now, and it's quite an interesting class. It's been um, pushing me a little bit outside of my comfort zone, because for some of us, evangelism comes very naturally, but for some of us, it takes a little extra effort to put yourself out there. And one of the assignments in my class that uh, they just gave us to do was to think back at a time when you heard God, when you really heard God, and then write it out, video record yourself talking about it and submit it in. And so that was kind of a big task because to sit down and be like, gosh, when are the moments when I really heard God? And then how would I explain that to somebody? And so I thought back to the very first time that I truly could hear God. And it brought me back to when I was 15 years old. Okay, 15 years old. Probably about not much, about the same age as all these students we had in here. And it was the summertime. And with my youth group, we went, I, was at, I went to Parkway Hills United Methodist Church. And so what we would do in the summertime there is we would go to Lake Jay, Lake Junaluska. And I've talked about Lake Jay because it really has been transformative in my life. And so this was the first time that I was going to go out of state with this youth group when I was 15 with um, adult leaders that were not my parents, you know, so there's a lot of, you know, new things I was going to get exposed to, and it was exciting, but also a little, a little nervous, but we loaded up in that van and trekked across to go to Lake Junaluska one summer, and we had a blast. I mean, it's hard not to when you go. The weather was perfect. Um, the, the sessions, the music, the worship was wonderful. We had volleyball tournaments. We got out there on the lake. We swam in the pool. We walked around and hung out and got to see other people from other churches and, and other states. It was just a truly a great experience, a wonderful experience. Well, on the last night, we would have a nighttime worship session there in the, in the big white house they have. And then at the end of the worship session, we were to walk. We were to walk to the top of an overlook area where they said there would be a cross, and it was nighttime. I had no clue what to expect. 
And so we had a wonderful worship moment. All the kids, all the adult leaders, we got out, walked out in silence, and we walked to this cross. And I just remember just walking, and I could still just hear all the feet hitting the pavement. It's a, it's a good little trek. Not too difficult, but a good little trek. And we were just walking, a whole line of us, to this cross. And I remember just looking around, seeing the lake, and it's dark. The moon was reflecting off of it. The stars were out. The waters were still. And up we went, walking. And as you come up to the hill and you make the turn, you get down to this little amphitheater type setup where they have the seats and the cross, and there it was, shining ever so brightly. Shining against the backdrop of the dark sky and the moon above it as we all just gathered around this cross for this moment. And then for the first time, I heard God, truly heard him. And the word that I heard was, you're forgiven. You're forgiven. And then I felt this numbness and this warmth just kind of come over me all of a sudden. And then it went. That was my first time I truly heard God and the word he said, you're forgiven. Now, there's been other moments in my life where I've heard them, but that was the strongest. And I don't know if I'll ever hear it that strong again, but it's no denying who said it. And I was forever changed in that moment. There's no going back from hearing God. And so I share this with you to maybe encourage you because I really enjoyed this, this process of having to think back of when I heard God. So I encourage you in the quietness of your times to see when are the moments that God has spoken to you and just reflect back on those. Those are important moments. And it makes me think about this passage that we read from Ephesians. Uh, for those of you who have been keeping up, you know we've been doing a series uh, called Long Story Short. We've been preaching on uh, certain passages and intersection and in this service here, looking at the Bible and, and looking at how it is structured and set up. And we started looking at what was in the Old Testament, the five books called the Law. And then we went to the history and poetry prophets. Last week you heard about the Gospels. And so today we're looking at Ephesians, which is part of the New Testament where you'll find the letters. The letters. And a little bit about the letters. Paul wrote a lot of them, or a lot of them are attributed to Paul, 13 of them. And then there are about eight that other authors wrote. And the letters are written typically to churches or individuals or Christian new Christian communities uh, to either address specific concerns and challenges, to uh, encourage, equip, to motivate, to share the good news. And those letters were circulated. A lot of these letters were actually written before the Gospels were pinned down because the Gospels were told orally. And a lot of the first Christians thought Christ would come back in their day. So they're like, there's no need to write them down. But then when they started to pass away, they're like, oh, we do need to write this down because God's on his own time. So then the Gospels are written down. But the letters have been a staple of Christian faith for generations. And they contain important messages. And so this letter in Ephesians is attributed to a church in Ephesus. And in the second chapter when we get here, it talks about, you were dead through the trespasses and sins in which you once lived. 
following the course of this world, following the ruler, the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work among those who are disobedient. All of us once lived among them in the passions of our flesh, following the desires of flesh and senses. And we were by nature children of wrath like everyone else. And so here you have Paul talking to this audience saying that we were just like everyone else, living our day-to-day for ourselves. The passions of the flesh is just not bodily sins. It's, it's focus on yourself, doing things just for you, not for others, not for God. You are focused on the day-to-day, living your life for yourself. And then you get, though, to this fourth verse, but God... See, things change when you get there, though. We're no longer stuck in that pattern of living a life separated from God, living a life focused on earthly things that are not of God. Because verse 4 says, But God, and that is crucial, But God, who is rich in mercy and out of the great love which he loved us, even we were dead through our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. You see, as we look through all the stories of the Bible, starting with Genesis, and that's the whole reason why we're doing this series, is trying to show you all throughout Scripture, you should be picking up on the theme of God's amazing love for us and all the ways He is trying to show us His love and get us to come back to Him. In some ways, are very creative ways, but the main way is through Jesus Christ, which we learned about in the Gospels last week. But so knowing that, that we were stuck in our, in our patterns of sin and being disconnected. But God, who is rich in mercy and out of love, which he loved us, even when we were dead to our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. It's nothing that we did to earn it. He gives it freely. As Bam said, that one of the best gifts she's gotten is Jesus, his love and grace. We don't do anything to deserve it, but because he loves us so, He gives it to us. And this is so important. Verse 6, if you've got a highlighter, highlight it. Because it's not only does he give you grace, but he says he's raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Not only does he save us, but he brings us to him and we have a seat at the heavenly banquet with him. This is amazing stuff. We are worthy. He loves us. He doesn't give up on us. He saves us from grace, and we didn't do anything to deserve it. It's not through our works so we can boast. It's through him. And we get to sit at the heavenly banquet. That's amazing. He doesn't leave us for dead. He doesn't forget about us. Amongst all the things we have done, he still reaches out with his love and grace for us to accept it. That is an amazing gift. We are forgiven. He's forgiven us before we even know we needed it. He is truly an amazing God. And this is a a message for each and every one of us and for the entire world. And so, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not of your doing. It is a gift of God, not the results of work so that no one may boast. For what, we have, what he has made us created in Christ Jesus for good works, which prepared beforehand to be our way of life. And so with this message, we should be freed. There's no going back. You can't forget this. This is transformative. And so what do we do with this? How do we respond in a way 
that shows we appreciate and want this gift. Well, Jesus told us the two greatest commandments is to love your God and to love your neighbor. And so a way that we can respond to this amazing grace is by loving your God, coming to worship, what you're doing right now, praying to God, dedicating your life to Him in ways that are pleasing to Him, serving others, loving your neighbor, sharing this good news. We don't need to keep this a secret. This is not meant to be a secret. The whole world needs to know that their God, our God, loves you, forgives you, wants to be in relationship with you. We have to share that with the world. There is so much darkness. There is so much hate. And the world needs Christians like us sharing this message of love and grace that we see right here in this Ephesians passage. It has to be shared. We can't just hide it. The world needs it. But individually as well, There are things we can do, but as Christ's body, as the church, there are things we can do together. We can go on mission trips. Our Honduras mission team just came back last night. And man, I'm excited to hear about all the great things they did. All the relationships that they made, the ways they were blessed and how they blessed others. But we can serve together by going on mission trips. We can serve together by helping those in need. We can go locally and be a part of Shower Power down in Jackson. We can go help out and give of our time. We can make donations. There's so much we can do as the body of Christ. But the other thing that we also must not do to show our love is be complacent with the wrongs of the world. You know we are called to be peacemakers. And peacemakers do not sit idly by. But peacemakers engage the world. And sometimes that can be a little tough. During the 1960s, there were many churches that sat silently and were complacent when racism was raging on. But we're called to not be complacent, but to address racism and other wrongs of society and to speak out against them. We are to share the message of love and grace that everybody is worthy. We are to speak out against wars, needless conflicts. And as we speak, the drumbeat of war is beaten in Europe. And so what do we do as the body of Christ? But we are to reach out, we are to pray, and to love others and encourage the same amongst our brothers and our sisters. We are called, because of this love and grace that's been given to us, to go out and to share that with the world. And so as we look at Ephesians, there you have to also take note, there are other letters that were written that I mentioned. Like I said, there are 13 letters attributed to Paul, 8 letters by other authors. There is a book written by James the supposed brother of Jesus. And in there, there is a passage I want to lift up because some folks get hung up on this passage. That's why we're wrestling with Scripture. We're looking at it. Because there's a passage in James that some people have brought to my attention that seem to contradict this Ephesians passage of we're saved by grace but not by our works. So let me address this. It's James, the second chapter, verse 24. It says, As you can see, a man is justified by his deeds and not by faith alone. See, if you're reading Scripture and you come across that, they're like, but wait a minute, I thought we were saved by grace and not by our own works. But then this one says, a man is justified by his deeds, not by faith alone. Let me unpack that simply, if I can. As we are changed by God's amazing love and grace, changed, 
you began to live a life that was a little bit different before that moment that you accepted it. Your heart is changed. Your viewpoint of the world is different. You begin to see the world as God does. And when you do that, then you begin to do deeds that are worthy of God, that bring this message of love and grace. You begin to act and think and see differently as you allow this love and grace to enter your heart and push out the dark and the evil. So you begin to do things differently. And you begin to become justified through those. So don't get it confused. Don't think you can work your way into heaven. When people see that, they think they can work their way to Christ. No, the grace is given to you freely, not by your own deeds. But when you receive it, you begin to live a life that is a little bit different than before. You don't live for the flesh. You live for the love and grace of others. You begin to serve the world. And it begins to transform you. And so when you read these letters, there's so much good information in them. There's so much to learn because they were written to people like you and me. They were written to churches like St. Matthew's that were battling and challenging real things, things that we wrestle with. And so it's so incredibly important that we go back and read what Paul has to say, what these other authors have to say as Scripture is opened up to us. And all of these passages and these letters seem to go back to the amazing love and grace of Jesus Christ. As all the scriptures from Genesis begin to tie all this in for us, it should begin to change us. It should begin to impact us. And so I challenge each and every one of you, as we go about our day-to-day mundane lives, to begin to live as children of God, to begin to live as someone who truly knows that you have a seat right by Jesus at that heavenly banquet. Truly know that God loves you so that his son sacrificed himself for you and for the world. That should give you some joy. You should leave here pretty happy. It's something to celebrate. And it's something to allow to transform your lives. And so we need to wake up and not be the dead person living just for the flesh, but a person of God and Christ living to share that joy. And so as we go about our weeks, may we allow that to motivate and inspire us in all that we do. May we share this good news with all that we come in contact with so that at the end, God is glorified. God is glorified and our relationship is restored. Let us pray.